Best case scenario is that you have a dumpster fire behind you, burning the skin off your back while you're pretending like things are going fine and you're, and you're moving ahead. It's a good chipper note to end on, yep. I think. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 338 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, but so what? I'm Sam and I'm a little cold this morning. Yeah, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is November 18th, 2021. Dunk on everyone. And before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity in this show. Uh, and also, we'd like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net, where we have a new one, which is the same as last week, which is Bam Hmm, who last week donated with a cryptic one-word message saying, you. And this week, Bam Hmm 182 said, all. Mm. So we've got two words now, you all, and I really hate to be that guy, but like he could have saved a lot of cash if he said y'all. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. faster. It's a great word. It's, uh, I think we talked about y'all last week. Yeah, it's highlighted <laughs> the cost of language prescriptivism, you know? Like, there this you is, go. This is what happens. Yeah, he's sort of creating a real world example of of the financial hardships that you're going to endure if you refuse to adapt to new linguistic yep. uh, styles. It's also possible <laughs> you know, that we changed the, the money grab system to just charge per word. Like I can't remember if we turn because there's a you know, there's a toggle for that. Oh yeah, like there's just per, a button. Yeah, per to word get more money. charge to change it to four dollars per word, which yeah, is pretty yeah, good. We're not. Money These grab. aren't donations. We're charging people to talk to us. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's like a, like a <laughs> yeah. corn-operated telephone. Yeah, you know, it's the same, same idea. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, in a way, it's like customer service, and yeah, you know, that comes at a cost. Yeah, you know, there's a price. I feel there. like if it was the case that you had to pay like a penny per word you said on Twitter or something, I feel like the uh, you know, the overall the overall bent of the tweets feels like it would have to go in a slightly better direction. No, because the, the problem is a lot of the people creating the chaos are also rich people, you know. And but there's not very many of rich people. That's the thing, right? There so, aren't, but they are, you know, they have outsized impacts. But if we did that's it true. the way we should do, which is proportional to income, you know, if all charges were proportional to income, then now we're but oh, there you a, go. but in a, but in Ooh, a progressive <laughs> a progressive proportional, right? So like so it's sort of it's like, like the speed. The lower your income is, the lower the proportion is also right. But as it goes, so yeah, you gotta have right. progressive because uh, of so marginal actually, utility of wealth. Yeah, marginal utility. So you actually are yeah. uh, yeah. fining people per word that they put into the internet. Is yeah, it? which is I think the appropriate response to most words people put on the internet. <laughs> so, you know, you're not to wrong. be fined <laughs> now, now, for now what you have done. So so I I've been in my house for for five years. Okay, more, more than a little bit more than that, five and a half years. You must have left at least once at that time. Yeah, so you've mainly been in it for two years, you know. No, no, been in it the Just whole time. time. <laughs> uh, and when we came into this house, the I looked at the fence in the back, and I was like, "This, oh god." This thing is just a real shit piece. Like mm-hmm. the gate, the gate's on backwards, so it doesn't even actually open. Because you know how doors work with hinges. Yeah, I've heard of this. <laughs> yep. And if you put the hinges, like the hinges have the they have a the directional hingy, component. the hingy part is yeah. you, know, I, you know that's technical. The hingy part of the hinge dictates which direction the door can open, mm-hmm. right? Because hinges can't go they, go; they only go one way. So. The people who had set up this gate had put the hinges on so that the door couldn't open unless mm. you like bent the wood and then it would open like a foot. <laughs> 
So like, it was just the dumbest. Uh, it's just the dumbest fence. I, I the dumbest saw, fence. I saw there's this. This is like this is a notorious problem of like house flippers and stuff. You know, he'll just like go and do the cheapest job yeah. possible and stuff. I saw some video uh, where a guy was doing an inspection of a house that had just been flipped, and he was in the garage, and and then so saw something so absurd that he now had to take a video of it, which was that. He's looking at a window and the window was broke. Like it was just like the glass was broken, which was the first thing you notice. But then you look a little closer and you realize the windows have been installed just backwards. Backwards is in like inside out, maybe is the right word for windows to give you perspective, right? But sure. Because so the they have a the latch. Outside? Yeah, so the locks are on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> so is that why it's broken? Because somebody was trying to open it and got from the inside uh, yeah, and got I've pissed no idea. off. But like the, I'm just like imagining somebody mounting a window. Because like that's a hard enough thing to do, you know, I would imagine. Yeah. Like you have to. You have to approach it. You can't just completely randomly go put a window in a wall. You know what I mean? Like no. you have you to measure it. You, it. you don't yeah, slip and accidentally install a window. Yeah, you got to have some sense Tuesday of what afternoon. you're doing. And there was, I think, there was like four windows just side by side. They just and did just all of them. All of them were backwards. <laughs> and I was like, how? Do, yeah. So how does that happen? So I it's think, re- so this is, you find this stuff out. So I've been trying to get this fence replaced, right? And I've been talking to the homeowners association. Well, that's a. Talking is a pretty like loaded term. I've been trying to communicate with the homeowners <laughs> association uh, because uh, you know we live in a society where some random person I never met uh, who has nothing to do with my house gets to tell me what I can do with my house, mm-hmm. and I pay them for that privilege, right? So, uh, so I've been trying to get this fence. I'm like, I want a six foot fence because that's a good height of that's a good height for mm-hmm. a fence. Can't see over it. People can't see in. It's great. So I tell, I tell them my plans, and they just send me an email back, and they're like, yeah, you're not allowed to have a six-foot fence. They didn't tell me how tall it can be. They just told me how tall it can't be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now HOA's job is to, is, in my experience with an HOA, is to, is to stall and deflect. Stall, <laughs> deflect, and tell you no, and then not actually help. Yeah. That's been my own experience. So, so I send them a follow-up, and I'm like, well, my current fence is five foot ten, actually. So like, is that okay? It's been ten. It's been... <laughs> It's been 10 days and I've been calling them and emailing them and they just will not respond to anything. And now I'm thinking, I'm just going to look through the bylaws and see what the fee is or fine or whatever. Yeah, because it's a one-time fee, right? I I mean, I I don't know. But if it is, I'm going to have to just weigh that as just the cost of installing the Part of the cost of the thing. Because I'm thinking, like, if these people can't be bothered to even look at my emails, are they really going to send someone out to measure my fence height with a tape measure? Well, like, that's the problem with HOAs, feet. though, is that the people who get on HOAs tend to be the people who are like, I who won't help you, but will fence. go out of their yeah. way yeah. to hurt you. Oh, yeah. They're like, they're malicious. <laughs> Here's a quick, no. yeah, have you ever met someone who's actually on an HOA? I, I was. I know you tried because you you joined yours when you were in that condo, right? Because you were like, I need to have some voice in this. Yeah, I became, I was the president. I was in in a condo and I was like, I was like, uh, I'm sick of dealing with the HOA. I'm just going to be the president of the HOA. So I did. And then it was like, it was, it was incredibly easy because people would be like, hey, we have this problem. Then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to have this person who's on the HOA board take care of it. And then they would do that. And then it was fine. Because like all, all it really amounts to is calling a, contractor every now and then and checking some paperwork, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but the real problem is that in any in any HOA, there's going to be a significant proportion of the homeowners, probably at least a quarter, who are doing, who are uh, retired and doing nothing yeah. other than walking around the neighborhood, 
judging other people's stuff. houses, uh, being mad about stuff, and, and bringing complaints. You have to right? have some time available to you know involve yourself with HOA committee. Yeah. So like that was mo- most of the work was telling someone that it's fine if this shrub is four foot seven and not four foot six for the next three weeks until somebody can come and trim it. Right. Like it's fine. No problem. That's mm. most of what HOA work is. So like I can sympathize, but also, you know, just let me, just let me do my fence thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so installing the fence, it's just, it's just part of the cost. It's just the cost of doing business. Uh, hey guys, what? last week we didn't answer any questions. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. No, we That's didn't. true. Maybe we should do that this week. <laughs> yeah, it's, we're already, you know, we're already deep in on fence talk. So let's uh, go ahead and skip fence fence gate, if you fence will. Fence gate is going to be an ongoing. <laughs> it's going to be an ongoing scandal. Uh, is a right. fence gate? If it's like yours, is that where, like, in order to open it, you have to sort of warp the wood around the hinge because it's actually the gate's on backwards. Is that what a that's fence, fence gate? gate? Yeah. That's fence gate. That's the, mm-hmm. sca- that's about as high as a, as a fence scandal should go. I think is that the hinges are on backwards. Yep. If you've got more drama than that with your fence, there's bigger systemic problems at play. Okay. And it's not the fence's fault anymore. Uh, all right. First question from podcast.bscotch.net comes from Gibbs who says, Hey bros, when creating anything, Games are, you know, just like anything. What makes that thing feel complete to you? I have yet to launch any commercial products, but when I do, uh, I'm betting I'm going to struggle with feeling like something is ready to kick out the door. Have you ever felt this way? Was the result better than you expected? Love the pods. Mm, This is a good one. I guess guess nothing for me ever feels complete. It just at some point feels sufficient. What's the difference? Complete means like it's it's done. You know, like there's nothing to be done. It is, it's done now. Like there was a list of things. The list is checked off. There's no, there's no more list. It's done now, right? I guess that's how I would think of it. Uh, and sufficient is you have some metrics you're trying to hit. You have a specific goal, and measuring the thing against the goal, it's sufficient to accomplish that goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that anything else now is a marginal, at best, marginal gain probably a side grade even it's now probable that things are a downgrade right because once you hit once you hit that point where you're just polishing 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 stuff um, then that's where you're kind of in side grade territory but if you've already hit sufficiency and then you also start changing things then at that point you're just as likely to dip back out of sufficiency as you are to you know uh, yeah dip i back think up into it i think when it comes to making things completeness is actually a fantasy that you only get to experience in school. When somebody else has handed you a list. Somebody says, I need you to write a paper and here are the criteria. And then at some point you, you create a final draft and you turn it in and you get a grade and uh, it's done now. You can't like keep working on the paper and your grade will change or whatever. The only reason you made that thing was to turn it in. Yeah. But right. It's still because because you're talking about now like the launch right which and there you have a forced launch because of a due date when it comes like when you launch your paper you know in school yeah so but leading up to that when you're writing that final draft how do you decide to stop working on it right because that's because that's the the question here well quite hilariously you know back in in high school it was all about how a minimum words right they'd be like it needs to be this many words then when I got to college they were like here's a maximum word count don't waste my time right. And then you had to figure out how to say something actually meaningful or important in 
you know, under 3000 words or something. Relatively speaking. Yeah. As, <laughs> I think, I think yeah. I, I, I think this to me underlines the importance of understanding what your process is. Because the way I think about this is that something is complete for me when I have run it through the full scope of the process as I understand it for making that thing. So for example, on the art side, um, you know, we're making assets for Crashlands 2. There's a way in which I make those things, the way in which I've developed the ability to make those things. Starting off with, you know, a bit of some writing, looking up references, getting some ideas across, whatever. Uh, usually like 10 to 15, sometimes 30 or even 40 minutes of, of this kind of sketching period. And then straight into the kind of rendering out of the thing, which itself has basically six particular steps to it. And then it's done. Um, so the sense of completeness I get is from actually knowing what my process is and knowing where I am in that process. How because do you any one of those that steps, to mm -hmm. like large, like a game? I think that's where it gets more challenging because your ability to fully understand where you're at in the process or really to be actually serialized in the process gets really complicated because oftentimes mm -hmm. certain parts of the game are at a certain stage, whereas other parts are not yet there, right? You might have like fully polished UI for crafting, for example, but no UI at all for this other thing yet, right? And so I think that's where the ability to, on a high level, be able to look at your game, break down the various uh, kind of meta-level systems that you're trying to put in there and then what state they're in and what part of that process they're in is kind of where this becomes its own little, like that's where you get the ability to say like, it's done based on the process that we have. Like it's moved through all the steps of the process. Yeah. And which is kind of like Adam's, thing. yeah, it's like what Adam's saying. Yeah, it's it's that you've got something that, it, that you're trying to do with it. Because so remember back when we were working on a level head and we had this kind of like, this like running joke, because we were putting out a content patch like every week during early access. Yes. Uh, and we had this kind of running joke where like, whenever we released a patch, we would try to guess what the next demand would be. I wouldn't say we'd try. I'd say we accurately predicted like 90% yeah, of the time. Yeah. yeah. We'd be like, as soon as we add this, people are going to say, this is cool, but what about, Bleh, right? Because mm -hmm. there's this thing that happens with, with creative work that it, it's a perpetual motion machine, right? Like whenever you make, whenever you do something, that thing becomes the seed of the next idea. So I, I would say actually in, in terms of like thinking of something as complete, I do think that it's literally impossible to complete a creative project because it continually creates more work that could be done for its like on itself, right? Yeah, but I think so that's, where, instead, that's where I think the process focus comes in, right? Because if you can, if you frame it around, if you've walked through the process... Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you got to you got to either think about about what your process is for for taking something not to completeness, but to the point where you're done with it, right? Right. Yes. Right. And then so it's a, it's about the process you move it through, and then you measure uh, its current state against what your goals were, right? And so if we said let, that that for for Crashlands two we have a goal of you know x hundred hours of gameplay or something like that, mm -hmm. then. That's something that we can actually measure, right? Because, like, for example, if we do a, a test and we we have people playing the game, we can we could just see how much they're playing, see where they fall off, see what things they find engaging, you know, and we can kind of adjust and, and orient things to try to try to hit that goal. And yeah, like we could, for example, continuously tweak the colors of the UI and and add this new game system here and game system there, and we could do that forever, mm -hmm. just forever, right? 
Um, but at a certain point, it's just not going to do anything for the goal mm-hmm. of the game, right? Everything has a marginal return. So, uh, yeah, so completeness probably isn't the, isn't the metric you want to use, right? Yeah. 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 You need to, it's just not, what are your goals with the thing? Um, and what are then, your goals and what's your process? And what does it mean to hit those goals? Because if that's not explicit, then you can never know if you've hit them and you can keep moving the goalposts, you know, as as they say. So Yeah. And sometimes it does just happen. Like sometimes you'll be, you know, you will be in, you know, month six or something like that of a project and be like, oh, actually this needs to be this. It needs to be this other thing, you know, or this larger thing or this smaller thing. Actually, like it's a, your deadlines change. We need to do something else with it. Um, and I think that's what's so funny about it is the fact that the completeness is very arbitrary. And once you've done a bunch of, once you've done enough creative work at a large enough scale, you really come to understand just how arbitrary the final state of these things can be. Where it's like the fact that, for example, we we launched Levelhead into early access literally six months ahead of what we had a month prior to like deciding it um, had 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 decided yeah. to do. Right. So it's well, like, Mario Maker forced our hand. So exactly. So if something just, could be complete enough to go into early access in, you know, like with that much adi- like chopped out of the schedule, then yeah, you have to you have to understand that the completeness is a very weird and completely exist. arbitrary. It doesn't, just exist. doesn't exist. It's actually yes, yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah. how you relate your process to the various constraints that you have around the project. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from Woland seventy seven. Who says this is a pandemic appropriate question? I guess not appropriate. This is only the kind of question we would get, you know, in today's mm-hmm. trying times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is your preferred kind of mask? Do you have a Ooh. glasses fog life hack to put on Pinterest? Are you going to get Razor RG, RGB face shield thing? <laughs> Apparently, Razor has an RGB face shield thing. Does it actually? Because that, that makes sense. sense. Amazing. I don't know, but well, uh, now I have to look into it. I did order, there's a Kickstarter for the, I think it's, they call them Jabber Masks or something. Where yeah, that one's guy, the LED. The little face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as you do stuff with your face that it has like a little hilarious mouth thing that does, mm-hmm. it's a light, a light show. Like LED the, mouth. Wasn't it the co-creator of Super Meat Boy who did that? It was so, yeah, it was someone related to one of these game projects or something. Yeah, it was a game, who, game like a pretty well-known into game dev. I can't remember, I'm not 100% yeah. sure it was. But they still haven't shipped them yet. So like, I mean, this was, I think, month two of the pandemic or something. So yep. I don't know if I'm going to get it. I thought I was going to get it and then it'd be over this, like, you know, this summer or something like that. Still haven't gotten it. Pandemic's still not over though. So there's still time for me. There's yeah, still one of the One of the tough things about a pandemic is, you know, the supply chain disruptions. Yep. Right? Yeah. You want to order your pandemic RGB face mask, but by the time you get it, it's pandemic's it's over now. Ship. Yeah. Yeah. Because yep. uh, it took the whole pandemic just to get it through the supply chain and mm-hmm. shipped it to you. Yep. So yep. that's a problem. My wife and I bought a, a good handful of like more stylish masks. They're just cloth ones, you know, um, surgical masks. They were very cool that we used to wear all the time. And I think when we packed up, we only had like two just regular flat, like they're cloth masks, but they were just black ones. Um, that we had just kind of thrown in with us. And so largely actually since moving, we've been just using the regular surgical masks, um, mm-hmm. which is fine, you know. Do they, I guess you don't wear glasses anymore, so. Yeah, I don't got to bother with the whole the whole. You don't know about glasses thing. fog. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, take dude, my glasses off while I'm wearing my mask mm. because I can because I got laser surgery and I mostly wear glasses just for my cross-eyedness, um, mm. which you know, I can bear for running into the store or whatever. 
So, so how I, do you handle I, the fog situation? Well, how I handled is is somehow or another big glasses got popular again. Everybody's got big, real big glasses, mm-hmm. right? Seventy style. Big big glasses are just just fog ventilation shafts, right? Because like they they go right up against the part where your mask has little like maybe like air pockets next to your mm-hmm. nose, mm-hmm. and they trap the air back there. So like I don't have big glasses. I got Smaller glasses, like Santa Claus. So, so <laughs> why do you think Santa Claus has small glasses? You know, it's for the fog. Yeah. So fog. I don't get. Yeah. So the air dissipates by the time it gets up there. No problem. Although I did read an interesting. It was like in the first uh, like six months of the pandemic, there was something I read about how like people with glasses had very slightly lower uh, COVID yeah. rates. Because <laughs> if someone coughs on you, they're less likely to. Cough into your eye. Well, no, apparently it was because <laughs> apparently it was, uh, the the speculation was that was that if you have glasses, then people will tend to try to wear their mask higher up and more secured to their nose so that it doesn't fog, fog fog their glasses. <laughs> so they would just wear their masks more securely or whatever. I thought they uh, operated I, as like a safety shield. You although know? you could also say it's just as likely that, you know, you're more likely to not wear a mask because it's fogging up your glasses. So I yeah. don't know if that, that sounds bunk. One of you those know? just so stories. I do like the idea though of somebody, because the way that I interpreted what Sam said wasn't that, oh, it's just like protecting your eyes, but that somebody sees that you're wearing glasses like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to cough in their face. I'm not going to cough on that person. I don't want to get probably, stuff on their glasses, you know? like okay. They can barely see as it is. Like, yeah, they got enough problems to wear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. yeah the, the masks that I wear are ones that my wife has been making because um, she just she likes crafting good. projects so she's been making lots of masks here and there. She's tried all kinds of different shapes and uh, structures and stuff, you know? And the ones she settled on are these kind of uh, I think she calls them origami masks because they kind of like fold out, but it's kind of like a, how, how do you describe a thing over audio? It's like, it's like a, it's like a, it kind of sticks out from your face a bit, right? So that it's kind of like, imagine the bottom, like a feed bag, the bottom of a boat, you know, the bottom of a boat shape, no. right? Where it's sort of tapered up at the top and then comes oh, down. Isn't yeah. that how, like, that's, that's like that's the how, front yeah, that's, part. That's how the part that's kind of, cause it's, yeah. Cause that, that would, that, that that part kind of comes up to your nose and then it goes yeah. into a part that's like flat. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it's hard it to describe. Against, so like, so basically it's able to actually like fold flat then, right? Cause the, basically the yeah, boat. Yeah, fold it flat and it kind the of holds the boat. The inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're nice because they're very space, like very spacious on the inside. Um, yeah. So that when you're talking and whatever, like it just, but there's just so much space in there that it's really fine, which is also good if you want a double mask because then you can put a surgical mask underneath mm-hmm. or something for, for environments that are particularly suspicious. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, but then because she's been making them, then it's just like whatever fabrics that she wants and has has bought sometimes for that purpose. So I've got some cool like skulls, skulls masks, you know, and like some Ooh. some other very fun ones, uh, various ones for the different seasons as well, so, you know, so I can get stylish. You got to have your mask fashion on point. Yeah. If you like. That's why yeah, I've you get your pump, you get your pumpkin spice mask. You get your yeah. candy cane <laughs> mask. You get, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the one thing that's, that is, I know, cause like a, cause a good mask should have a, a metal, metal nose piece. Yeah, so you can bar him. Yeah. So you can make it fix it really tight and close to your face. Uh, but when, as soon as you throw that metal on there, then now you can't like fold it easily without eventually breaking that metal, you know? So my strategy has been, I got a bunch of just little carabiners, just like the little, little guys, but I just 
stick in my belt loop so that way I can just like hang it off of that mm. and then just kind of unsnap it and put mm-hmm. it on. And that, so I've just always got this kind of like dangly, dangly little fabric flag with some kind of cool design on it that I then can throw on my face. When it's I'm like doing. a handkerchief, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Did you imagine that one of your everyday carry items would be a, <laughs> car- a carabiner yeah. with a plague mask on it? Yep. We live in strange Man. times. I will what, say, a, what, a, what a turn. I know. You know? Like, I know. sometimes I just sit back and I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> it's just the, everything. Wildest, yep. It's the wildest thing. Everything is happening. Like I, I never would have thought. Although, you know, a lot of people did definitely say look, that this is definitely going to happen and it's going to be a big problem. Bill Gates said this a lot. I mean, he was like, you guys, people, there's going to be a people who be a play. this for a living have been telling us this every day. For like a hundred years, so like mm-hmm. uh, this is yeah. the the this is kind of like an earthquake, right? Where it's like like a California earthquake, right? It's like yes, that is going to happen. It has happened many times. It's going to happen again. It's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's going to come in all kinds of ranges of sizes. You know, it's like also hurricanes. They happen every year. They're going to keep happening, right? It's mm-hmm. like people always act surprised, though. You know, when but when, this is one of those like you can't stop an earthquake or a hurricane. You know, <laughs> yeah, you can't really uh, stop. A, well, I guess, yeah. It depends on how intense you are about your uh, pandemic response and how willing you are to uh, to have- But it's like, uh, it's a, it's, this is like the prisoner's dilemma, right? Mm-hmm. Where, how, where like, if, for example, if, uh, if you're a world leader and you're trying to like advance your, your nation's place in the world stage, right? You're trying to expand your economy. You're trying to stay in political power, you know, whatever- uh, you want to make sure that your country, you know, kind of like l- at least like looks better than most so that you can kind of point to some things and be like, oh, yeah, I totally did some stuff to stop the pandemic. Right. But you don't really want to shut down the whole economy and all this other stuff because like that's bad also. Mm-hmm. And people will blame it on you that that's bad. Right. So instead, everybody just kind of nothing happens. And then uh, and we're just kind of this is where we're at now. It's, just, it's preventable, but but all of the it's preventable on paper, right? Yes. Like there are things that you can do, but the realities of the incentives of the world make it one hundred percent not preventable. Yeah, right. Like there's no way to stop it. So you're right. Like I, yeah, yeah. Everybody there, said that this was going to happen, but there but are I ways got, you know. to <laughs> respond to it. You know, because like because there's a reason. It's like you know California building codes. It's like everything has to be able to withstand a certain degree of an earthquake because they know that it's going to happen, right? And so, like, every new building, I think they also did some huge retrofit operation, I don't know, a few decades ago or something, to, like, make it so that all the houses everywhere were able to withstand at least the, you know, the more frequent level of yeah, earthquakes. Yeah, some magnitude. Yeah, and you have to do this for, like, fire safety in your house, you know? Like, you like there's a code about what kinds of materials you can use because house fires happen all the fucking time, right? So there's all this stuff that is inevitably going to happen. So we plan for it, we prepare for it, and, like, we're ready to go, Right. And somehow this pandemic thing <laughs> where – and there are plans. There are plans. It's just you have to, you know, enact them to get it. You got to do them. You got to do them to get it to work. And the, and, uh, and the difference is is that the pandemic stuff, unlike, oh, we retrofitted all the houses or whatever, right? It's like – it's not a thing you can like enact a plan and like it's like, cool, now we're ready, right? Yeah. It's an emergency response plan. It's not a we've already done the things plan. We, we haven't built to code – all the other things you could do for that too, but it's like, oh shit, people are getting sick. What's the what do we have to do now, right? It also it requires buy-in on a whole other level. Yeah, I think which is the, the different thing. 
where it's like well, it requires a lot of uh, communal and social yeah. uh, responsibility because you have to basically trample human rights to respond to a pandemic successfully, right? So, like, as in, like, you have to be able to force people to stay in their homes. You have to be able to. There's a lot of things you have to be able to do to actually stop the spread of a disease. That doesn't mean you have to, you know, be horrible about it, right? <laughs> so, because like you could force people into homes and then feed them, right, and pay yeah. them their wages. Yeah. <laughs> Like you know, to leave your house, but also like we'll make sure that that's okay. Yeah, and and the As problem is, to, is this that, is your problem. <laughs> yeah. So so basically, so basically, like the response required to handle a pandemic and capitalism do not sort of interact very well. Yeah, you need a you need sort of a community minded uh, government and populace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to me, 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 individual. Like it's all about me doing my own thing. Yeah. Freedom, right? What's really interesting about this too. Is so. So that's what we talked about um, about pivoting toward instead of having me develop all these to, like per, personally implementing everything in the game. Me instead building tools to make it so that other people can implement stuff in the game, right? And what's kind of been a struggle for me is this like short term versus long term uh, cost benefit, right? Yeah. I mean, which is that that's the struggle for everybody all the time, right? Yeah, but how I know that I know that like while I'm working on these tools, um, I'm taking a lot of Adam's time because we're pair programming a lot of stuff, and also no new stuff is going into the game right now. So Sam, if he makes some art, it's not going in because I'm all in on working on this tool that will make it so that in the in the future he'll be able to take that art that he made and put it into the game, right? And so there's this it's 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 like a lockdown, right? Which is basically mm-hmm. like nothing's going, nothing's going in or out, uh, and we all have to be okay with that. In the hopes that the thing that we're doing right now is actually going to put us into a much better position in the, in the future. The problem is the future is imagined, and the present is happening, right? And so, so there's always this this push pull against like, do we do we just go back to doing things the way that we were doing them? Because at the very least, like we were getting immediate results from that, right? Which is the same as kind of like maybe we should just reopen and just let this thing play itself out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, go for herd immunity or whatever, because at the very least, people can go back to their jobs and try to pretend like life is normal. Yeah, it's very quarter uh, quarter focused, you know. It's just like, yeah, yeah. And I and I think it's it. I mean, it makes perfect sense because, of course, the present is real and it's happening to us right now. So that's what you feel, right? Yep. And so it takes a it takes a huge effort to forecast all, how all the things that you're doing right now or dealing with right now will be improved later by the stuff that you're sacrificing right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is just a leap that's very hard to convey. Well, and this is very closely related to the idea of the importance of slack, right? Because slack is a safety net. Like, so like a social safety net is a kind of slack. And then like slack within a workplace is sort of that by definition. Um, yeah, but it's this idea of if you're constantly, constantly putting out fires and you're not able to work on the work. So everything, and this is, and this is basically how our entire sort of world works, right? Is just you just do the next thing, and you and you can just look behind you. And you're like, oh my god, this is a this is this is bad. What we have here, like this, all of it, mm-hmm. really bad, right? But look how bad it is, though. So let's just kind of keep, let's just kind of keep going, you know? Let's just kind of keep doing stuff and just. It's too big. The problem is too big. We just have to leave it here, you know? And like, and the inability to then actually like take the time and spend 
the money and like do all that, you know, to, to do that. Cause there's also the idea of like the trap of poverty, right? Cause you're stuck because it costs so much money to stay alive that you have to spend all of your time trying to make that money as quickly as possible for the short term. You don't have the slack, right? And that's how we run our entire fucking world. Well, so. yeah. But, well, so all, like all the supply chain disruption, you guys know about, like, we talk about just in time inventory systems, right? Yep. So like all, all the supply chain shocks that we're seeing now, um, are be- just because of the fact that the modern business practice is no slack, yep. right? It's like mm-hmm. it's like you predict what parts you're going to need for your manufacturing or whatever a couple days in advance. Because waiting then, is waste, right? Yeah. And because if you, if you, work in, works in progress or waste. Yeah. If you ordered extra, there's a chance that due to some changes or changes in your in demand or changes in whatever, blah, 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 if you ordered like a thousand things instead of 10, that mm-hmm. you would end up having 950 of them laying around that you would never use, right? Which is, you know, that's fair, right? That 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 it, that can be definitely a, a problem. And you have to store them and keep them maintained and whatever, right? So instead, you just order just the things you need. Problem is, if ever so, everybody does this all the way up the supply chain. Everybody's ordering everything from everybody just at, at the moment that they need it. There's no slack. And, yeah. So then, if something happens where suddenly somebody at the very end of the chain can't make something because of a pandemic or something. <laughs> then now nobody has anything laying around that they can use to fill immediate demand. And suddenly you've got and like then empty, it, oh, and empty then spots on store shelves. Yeah. And because yeah. everyone's doing it the same way. So, okay. And this is like, this is also how like a big company works, right? Is it's, it's a big bureaucracy. Everybody's pushing for their KPIs constantly. And the KPIs, like anytime you're working towards a KPI specifically, you're not even doing the work that actually needs to get done. And so it's just this like pile of everybody just scrambling to stay on top, right? To be, or stay on top of what they're supposed to be doing. And again, they can look behind them and see the mess that's back there, right? Like everybody can see it, but because of the incentive structure and because of the absence of slack and the absence of, of a safety net, right? That says, oh yeah, we should spend some time like making things not suck before we (laughs) move forward. But we got to hit these KPIs. So don't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, And the whole time not, and like, and again, you can see, you can see this in any system, right? Where, as it keeps well, I think on it's going. Human, it's human think, nature, right? To yeah. like to, to focus on the immediate results that you can create like right now, as opposed to stopping and just saying mm-hmm. like, we're going to have to sacrifice something to get way, way better results later. Yeah. I don't think it's human nature. I think this is the force of incentives and like, and what we're all trained yeah. to do, you know? Yeah. Because um, you can train a, yourself out of it. And it's like, for me now, like I don't even, like those incentives don't even work on me anymore, you know? Like they don't- right. <laughs> <laughs> because I've trained myself out of it enough that I'm just like on the opposite side. Mm. So it's, but that required, you know, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. It requires training out of the thing you got trained into over decades, you know? So it's you know, a comically there's problem. a, so I played this game on, uh, on game pass yesterday called going under, which is a roguelike, uh, set in basically like startup land where oh. you're essentially marketing. Well, you're you know, supposed to be a marketing intern, who shows up and then they're like, oh, we have, there's these, there's these monsters in the basement. Like you're gonna have to go, could you just go like kill all these monsters for us? You know, I know you're a marketing intern, but just go like take care of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. But yeah. as far as like, as far as like needling in a very hilarious way, like the writing is just phenomenal on this thing. But as far as needling kind of what you guys are talking about with regards to like, just the broader ethos around like how to do stuff um, and how to talk about it. And the lack of like, there's a big lack of not necessarily conversation because conversations are being had, just not in the places usually where, you know, it would be 
useful for it to be had. Um, but as far as like that general commentary presented in a hilarious way, this game, honestly, like the writing was just probably half the reason I'm still poking around with the thing. Um, but it's hilarious. It just is constantly sort of skewering the whole approach that a lot of the, I guess, just kind of modern sort of capitalist tendencies take toward building stuff or people or or whatever else, which, yeah, tends to be the, a bit more of a, well, a bit more, very much a, a short-sighted and a very confused sort of approach, really, when you look at any kind of ability to withstand shock or, or you know, disaster mm-hmm. yeah. at the end of it. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think you're right, though, Adam. I think I think that this is something that is trained into, because when I think mm-hmm. about, like, what, what, it, what was kind of like your most work-like thing that you did as a, as a youth is just a school, right? It's like somebody's giving you assignments and you have to do them, right? And the point of that was supposed to be for you to learn stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was why you were supposed to go there right. so that you The KPI learn is the grades and doing this grades. the teacher yeah. and, wants specifically and this, so you get the grades. Yeah. And in this, in, the, in this wild turn of events, if you like get a, a C in a subject, that's basically saying like you only actually manage to get – like a third, like two thirds of the concepts, uh, which means that actually you you didn't learn a third of the things that you were supposed to learn and and master, right? And then they then you just go ahead to the next thing, <laughs> the next one, right? Because they're like the they were like yeah, technically you're here to learn, but like we're really just orienting this thing around moving you through and just yep. judging you as you go, right? And yeah, and each and so, new class is supposed to be building on the prior knowledge, but. You don't actually have to have obtained that to move on. And even right. if you did test well, because of how testing works and how education or our current education system works, that doesn't mean you actually understand it. It's, those aren't correlated. Those aren't even, they're like, they're correlated, but it's not, they're not tightly coupled or causative, right? So yeah. you being able to test well, I, and I know some of the people like for in, in high school that, that tested the best also like were the most stressed and struggled the most because they were really good at the things they needed to do to be good at taking tests, but they didn't actually get the concepts, right? So they couldn't, they couldn't, they could memorize stuff, which is also what tended to be tested for, but they couldn't apply the concept because it wasn't, they didn't like apply it more abstractly to other scenarios. And so that's, and that's what you're supposed to be building on. You're supposed to be building on the actual understanding, not the memorized facts, right? Yeah. And, and, that, and, and that's, you're exactly right. You just like, you just get, you just get pushed through school. You're being propelled as fast as possible. Because everybody's got their KPIs, right? School yeah. is like, well, we don't, we don't want to have a high dropout rate. And also yep. like, we don't want to have people who are. Don't want to make uh, people repeat. Like, we we don't want to have like 12 year olds in fourth grade. Cause that probably doesn't look very good. Right. Yep. That's, well, and, that's and not a good look for us as, or, or them. Yeah. We do as cost effectively <laughs> as possible. So we need to make sure that we synchronize students so that we can do them in batches. Right, it's all batch processing. Rega- yeah, regardless of of knowledge, it's now about age for some reason. Yep. Just do, <laughs> do it by age because that yeah. way it's easy. You know, we don't have to think about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so you have like all these like these short term uh, considerations that are basically just meant to kind of like just keep going, just to kind of vaguely point at this idea that we're teaching people things, right? And you mm-hmm. and and uh, at the end of the day, there's no there's no process built in to this of continually revising the process, yep. right? You just kind of do this. Well, there, there is, but only on, a, only on a tactical level, right? Because I mean, you can't like, like, like individual teachers like will yeah. continually revise. Yeah, but as far as a systemic, yeah. I mean, this is where always the problem is. It's like the reality is that iterating on a full system stack is very challenging, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
It's very disruptive. Very expensive, requires buying, and requires that the people who are doing it uh, actually know what they're doing and have goals that align with the actual, like, you know, so, like, so True, if you look at the success like, story. The, yeah, you have all these like, like you know, political takeovers of school boards and stuff, right? And they take over because there's something they don't want taught. That's that's the whole reason, right? So like this happens constantly where they're like, we're trying to, it's people that are trying to prevent something from happening. They're not in there because they're like, oh, we like think a lot about education, like how education can be done well. And we want to make sure that we are figuring out how to structure this thing. And like, we can do some, and now, you know, figure out how we can bring in the experts and do some analyses to figure out others. No, they literally come in and they say, we don't want children to know about this. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the whole thing. And then their whole job after that is to make sure that no, nobody gets out of line, right? With with whatever the thing is they're trying to prevent yeah. being taught or to cause to be taught or whatever. And that's like, that's how most of, that's also how all of our political structures and our businesses are set up too, right? Because like you know, most of the horror stories you hear about people in large companies is like the boss is just like, do it this way. And the person is like, that doesn't that make, make sense. any sense. But well, yeah, so everybody's, still everybody's do just missing way. the point, right? Like, yeah, what are we doing? Like my, it's like my fence problem, right? Yeah. Just yeah. Like, like, like all these things were made for a reason, like all these rules or, or systems or whatever. And at a certain point, the reason stops existing and it's just the system just the doing, it's just has its rules, it has its structures, and it's just going to keep being reinforced and happening just like that. Yep. And the most, and that's just what, because right? yeah. like, uh, this whole thing too, just like, Hey, you can't have a six foot fence. It's like, okay, why though? What why is the though? intention of that? Cause I have a dog. Cause in your case, you have a dog that can basically get over a five foot fence and probably a six foot. Totally. Fence. Totally. Uh, but yeah. so that means like, so, so for you, it's that you, so the thing that you're trying to solve is you're trying to keep your dog from getting into neighbor's yards, which is probably important to your neighbors. I would imagine probably more, important. probably more important than whether yeah. or not you have a six foot fence. Right. Yeah. And so, well, and, and also like my, my neighbors, so I got some new neighbors behind me and they're great. They, they also have uh, occasional gatherings in their backyard area. And sometimes like in the evening, I want to be able to let my dogs out in the back while I'm just like in a you know robe or don't have a shirt mm-hmm. on or whatever. <laughs> uh, and I want to be able to have a light on when I do that. And I don't want to have to see through, you know, two inch wide crack. You, know, you don't make eye contact with someone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so like, they don't want to see that. Yeah. And I don't want them to see that. <laughs> Nobody so actually is, benefits yeah. by this specific application of the rules, yeah. right? So if and I have so. like a five foot fence, what, am I just going to be like Wilson from yep, fucking yep. Home Improvement? Just hey, like, neighbor. hey, like I can just see everything that they're doing just all the time. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, yeah, it's all, it, there's supposed to be, a, there was a reason at the start, but now it's just, it's just arbitrarily reinforced. Right. So. Which is basically, uh, I, I think, the definition of bureaucracy, right? It's like a bureaucracy is just a collection of rules, and the rules get followed. That's that's. If that's, you're a bureaucrat, then you're just there to make sure the rules get. Yeah, there's followed. no there's no yeah. nuance. There's because the, the only nuance is like making sure that you are applying the right rule. If there's anything confusing, right? I go to the DMV today, so uh, I'm a bit feeling this getting all the paperwork <laughs> yep. together, and I'm like, what? What? Well, and our Do legal system need? is the same thing too, right? Because the question when you're doing legal stuff is not. Is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? The question is, did this break any laws? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Right? Somehow that blew my mind when I first, like, I went to law school and we were, like, I took a criminal law class. And on the first day, the professor just addressed the elephant in the room, which is, which is how do you defend criminals as a lawyer? Right. Mm-hmm. And she was like, 
people talk about it being uh, like good or bad and like right and wrong or whatever. And she's like, as a lawyer, morality has absolutely nothing to do with your job. It's not about right or wrong or something being reprehensible or whatever. It's about what is the law and that's it. And the law right? also does not have anything to do with what is right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, weed is not legal. So somebody and and the, there's like a minimum sentence of five years if you have a joint, right? Okay, so here's a person. They have a family. They have kids. They have a job. They're active in their community. They have they got caught with a joint. As a lawyer, you are supposed to, if you're on the prosecution, right? Advocate you, for throwing them. You into are supposed a to advocate for absolutely <laughs> for destroying this person's life, family, and community. It's the law. Because that's what the because that's what the law is. Yeah. Right. The law and is so, incredibly immoral in almost all of its applications. Right. And so I don't know why that like just didn't really occur to me so deeply until then. Like I, I was going to this criminal law class and I was like, I hate this. <laughs> I can't. Like and and then uh, kind of extrapolating further about what it would mean to be a lawyer, right? Was basically just that, which is like getting a really deep understanding of all these rules that other people decided that everybody has to follow, and if you don't follow them, then violence will happen to you, right? Like that's the ultimate. That's what that's what jail is. That's you know that's all this stuff. Um, and so it's it's very it was. I had to. I don't know. I couldn't do it. I, well, I mean, you, if you if you're coming in for the whole like, I'm here. I'm here because justice is the thing that's interesting to me, and I find useful. That's yeah. It's just not yeah, what it's justice is not a euphemism for a good thing. You know, it's a. It strictly just means application of a law, and that law is almost guaranteed to be unjust. So, well, I mean, in, in the case of, of in the, the modern moral, legal in the moral system, yeah. sense, yeah. 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 Yeah, but yeah, if, you, if you're in there because you're like, I, you know, I want to, but I do want to protect people and I do want people who do bad things to get punished for it you know, appropriately. But then, you, yeah. yeah, as soon as you run into any one of these things, you're like, well, that's not quite what's happening here. I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> well, not, not only that, but like, but, but justice is, is to me, it's a stand in word for revenge. And it can be, but I think it's, but that's certainly a very, how it's used. It's a very but, American way of doing it, truthfully. Yeah. But it's very yeah, punishment but, focused. But there's this, but there's this problem of like, like a of only again like only addressing the immediate thing which is like okay let's say let's say someone uh ends up robbing a store because they are desperate they need money and they because it's a pandemic for example you know because there's yeah. no slack and no they've lost debt. their they've lost their home they are struggling they just need some way like they're they're on their last resort so they do this they do this thing that the rules say you shouldn't do, right? Except the rules we made didn't help that person out from getting into a situation where they had to break the rules. We only put a rule at the very end of the pipeline, right? Like we didn't, we didn't do anything to help this person the whole way through. And then well, at actually, the very end, more, we're more like, now you're going to jail. The right? rules actually put that person to that position very intentionally. Actually, yeah. I think we've, we've, and we've so, so like, I can't, I can't blame yeah, yeah, we talk about how, like, how so many problems are structural Step problems, systems, right? Yeah. yeah, and it's like, on the one hand, you can look at this and say, like, oh, yeah, well, this person made a bad choice, right? And it's like, well, they made a choice that was against the law at the very end, at the very end of a series of things that happened to them, right, that was in large part done by other people, right? And so, so they maybe, 
and again, like this, this isn't a universal thing. Like some people do do actually do oh, yeah, things that they don't need to do or, or whatever. But there's also structural things in play, you know, there. But yeah, I just I found it very. I found it very difficult to handle personally the idea of like the rules are the rules regardless of the intent of the rules and regardless of the circumstances around individual instances. Mm-hmm. You just enforce the rules and that's what it is. <laughs> when I was going through the wide deer process for uh, jury duty where they basically try to figure out – or each each lawyer tries to figure out how to stack the deck for themselves, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so they're asking these questions and, the, and like and the judge was asking, you know, some of them, um, as well. And one of the questions was, was, I don't remember how it was worded, but it was, it was just, if you, if you feel like the punishment is unreasonable, would you still actually say the person was guilty if you thought they were right? Hmm. And I was like, no, because I, 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 I just asked, I was, like, <laughs> would it, I was like, would it be illegal if I. Like, would I be breaking the law somehow if I chose to say a person was innocent because I didn't think that the punishment that they deserve the punishment? And the answer is, well, no, it's not illegal. And I was like, well, then no, <laughs> no, I would not. But even if it was I illegal, then that. you would have to go in front of a jury. Yeah, and do the they same would game have to all over. <laughs> <laughs> it's just juries all the way down. Long story short, so you didn't get in. Everything you, is you, stupid, <laughs> stupidly designed, <laughs> and we need slack. And safety nets in every fucking system, all of them, in businesses, at home, and in and, and, uh, school, and, you know, socially when it comes to financial situations. And in the absence of those, and all of those, in every sort of system that we have, the best case scenario is that you have a dumpster fire behind you burning the skin off your back while you're pretending oh. like things are going fine and you're, and you're moving ahead. So, you know. Advocate for that, I guess. It's a good chipper note to end on, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 no, but it, <laughs> I do. I mean, I do want to orient this in a more positive direction, which is, it's not that everything is stupid. It's just that is it. It's just that not. there's a there's a part of every process that is missing, and without it, everything is stuck, right? And that process is trying to build in the time to continually revise what you what you're doing and understand why you're doing it, right? So, like, there was that uh, that that one study with the monkeys and the ladder with the sprinkler at the top mm-hmm. or whatever, where it was like they put bananas at the top. And then if any, if any monkey in the enclosure climbed the ladder to get the bananas, then they would turn on a sprinkler. Right. And all the monkeys would get wet. And then uh, over time they cycled out the monkeys and brought new ones in. And then they stopped using the sprinkler. And then, and then any of the new mon- like at a certain point, any of the new monkeys had never even experienced the sprinkler because it, it was gone now. There was, there was no sprinkler. But they would aggressively pull monkeys off of the ladder and keep them from climbing the ladder because that's what the rules are now, right? Like, <laughs> you don't do this here, even though the context has, has shifted, right? So, like, you've got to – you just got to continually evaluate why it is that you're doing the things that you're doing and try to make sure that you build the time in – to evaluate and also make those adjustments. So yeah. where where you can. The problem is, of course, you don't get to control that for most things. Where you can. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, ever at, at a certain point, somebody's controlling something, right? So like <laughs> at, at, at every point, up and down the whole like somebody's behind everything that's happening. Yeah. So uh just got it's just something we gotta try to do. Yeah. So. But if you are, yeah, if you are in a position where you do get to control something, provide slack and safety nets. You do it. All right. Well, that's where we will end it this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net. 
where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.